This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And very pleasant. Good morning, everybody. As always, good to be back with you. This is the Marlins Rewind. And last night at Lone Depot Park, the Marlins and the Cubbies played game two of their three-game weekday series. Pablo Lopez went toe-to-toe against the right-hander, the youngster Adrian Sampson of Chicago. And with the recap, as always, here is Glenn Geffner. Well, tonight we've got the kind of game the Marlins and Cubs both have played a lot here in 2022. A tight, low-scoring contest. And in the end, the Cubs find a way to get it done. 2-1, to one, Chicago wins it after the Marlins had beaten up on them a little bit last night. Ten runs, 14 hits, three home runs tonight. Not nearly as much offense from Miami. And the Cubs take the late lead and hang on for dear life in the end. To even the series up at a victory aside. Pablo Lopez started against Adrian Sampson in this ball game. Sampson very hot over his last four starts for Pablo. A milestone night tonight, reaching 30 starts for the very first time in his major league career. And after the Marlins couldn't score despite a couple of hits in the bottom of the first, they pushed a run across in the second inning when J.J. Blade walked. Brian De La Cruz singled. Jacob Stallings hit into a double play, putting a man at third with two outs, but Jordan Groshans delivered for Miami. 3-1, Groshans, ground ball, sharply hit off the glove of the third base, Bodie, and Groshans has a hit. The Marlins have a 1-0 lead. In from third, Lede, Groshans comes through with two outs. Lewin Diaz would follow with a single, but John Birdie hit into a fielder's choice, ending the inning. Miami won, and the Cubs nothing. Marlins had stranded three in the first couple of innings. In the third, back-to-back singles to begin the inning by Rojas and LeBlanc, but Garrett Cooper strikeout. Bladea, ground ball double play, two hits, no runs, still one nothing. Miami into the fourth inning. With two outs in the fourth, Jordan Groshans a single, but Lewin Diaz into a fielder's choice. Marlins again a hit, but they couldn't score. The Marlins had eight hits through the first four innings, but just the one run and just the one nothing lead. Little did we know when Diaz hit into that inning-ending fielder's choice, the Marlins would not have another hit until the ninth inning. They would not have another base runner until the ninth inning. And as good as Pablo was, hanging 1-0 after another, it remained a one nothing Miami lead, just the narrowest of margins for Lopez as we went into the seventh inning. He was through six with a two-hit shutout. Pablo... 85 pitches, 54 strikes through six innings, but in the seventh, leading off for the Cubs, the third baseman, David Bode. 2-2, Pablo to David Bode. Fly ball, well hit left center. Going back, birdie onto the track at the wall. We're tied at one in the seventh. David Bode with his third of the season. So the Cubs had evened the score. Pablo came back. Ian Happ to bounce to second. Alfonso Rivas grounded to third, but with two outs, P.J. Higgins a single, then Jared Young an infield hit, and at that point, Donnie decided Pablo had had enough. He was done after 105 pitches. Oscar Brazabon came out of the bullpen after Jared Young stole second base. 
The Cubs in a 1-1 game had men at second and third, but Brazabon was able to strike out Nelson Velasquez and keep the game 1-1 at the seventh inning stretch. For Lopez tonight, six and two-thirds innings, five hits, one run, no walks, six strikeouts. Pablo lowers his season area to 3.88 through 30 starts. He threw 105 pitches, 68 strikes. On the other side, Adrian Sampson, six innings, eight hits and a run. He walked one and struck out three. Adbert Alzali out of the bullpen for the Cubs in the bottom of the seventh. He retired Stallings, Groshans, and Diaz, one, two, three. After the Marlins hit, we went to the top of the eighth, and Stephen Okert came out of the bullpen. He hit the very first batter. Michael Hermosillo got him in the foot with a slider to begin that eighth inning. Zach McKinstry then tried to drop down a sacrifice bunt. He didn't get the bunt too far out in front of the plate. Jacob Stallings was on it quickly. He fired down to second base to try to force the lead man, Hermosillo, but the throw pulled Miguel Rojas off the bag. It went as a sacrifice bunt in the fielder's choice, and just like that, in a 1-1 game, the Cubs had first and second, nobody out. Esteban Quiroz, in his first major league start, had a really good night here tonight, and when he batted with Two on, nobody out in the eighth inning. He was trying to sacrifice the runners over to second and third, but his bunt of the third base line was too good to go down. It's just a sacrifice. It went as a bunt base hit. The pitcher, Okert, couldn't throw him out. So on a hit batsman, a sacrifice fielder's choice, and a bunt single, the Cubs suddenly had the bases loaded. Nobody out in the eighth inning in a 1-1 game, and it was the guy who had homered in the seventh, David Bodie, coming up again with a chance to do some damage in the eighth. 2-2, Bodie, fly ball left center. Birdie's going back on it. He's going to make the catch. Hermosillo tags, he'll score. Throw comes into second. Cubs lead for the first time. It's 2-1. Okert then would strike out Ian Happ and Alfonso Rivas. So after the Cubs had loaded the bases with nobody out, they get the one run to take the lead, but only the one run. That's a nice piece of pitching by Ogre to escape without further damage. Marlins in the bottom of the eighth inning went 1-2-3 again against Alzali. So through eight, 13 straight had been set down by Cubs pitchers. Top of the ninth in a 2-1 game, Dylan Floro set the Cubs down 1-2-3 with a couple of Ks. So he went to the bottom of the ninth in a one-run game. Cubs 2 and the Marlins 1. Cubs coming in this year 20-26 and 26 in one-run games. Marlins coming in tonight 22 and 35 in one run games. They both played a lot. They both lost a lot of one run games. Brandon Hughes, the left hander, the only lefty in David Ross's bullpen, was brought on to pitch the ninth inning, and Garrett Cooper greeted him rudely with a booming double out to right center field. Just missed a home run. So the Marlins, one batter into the ninth, had the tying man at second with nobody out. Donnie pinch ran Luke Williams for Cooper to pick up some speed. In the end, it wouldn't even matter, though. Batting for J.J. Bladé, Brian Anderson struck out. Couldn't advance the runner. He struck out for the first out. Brian De La Cruz then a fly ball to medium center for the second out. Williams had to stay at second base. So the Marlins were down to their final out. Down by a run. Two outs, bottom of the ninth. Tying man Williams in scoring position for the catcher, Jacob Stallings. The 2-1 to Stallings is a fly ball to right, backing up on Velasquez, still back, reaches up on the track, makes the catch, and that's how this one ends. Cubs win, 2-1. Marlins made him sweat in the ninth with the first pitch double by Garrett Cooper. 
But Anderson a strikeout. De La Cruz a fly ball to center and Stallings hits one hard to right. But Velasquez runs it down and the Cubs even the series at one apiece with the 2-1 victory here in Miami tonight. For Chicago, two runs, six hits, no errors, six men left. For Miami, a run, nine hits, no errors. Marlins maroon six on the base paths tonight. Adbert Alzali, the winning pitcher, one and one over Stephen Ogert, the loser, five and four. Brandon Hughes nails down his sixth save of the season, pitching out of trouble in the ninth. Time of the ball game, two hours, 48 minutes. So the Cubs snap a three-game slide. They improved to 63 and 85 on the season. Now 70, uh, I'm sorry, now 32 and 41 on the road. Marlins, who were aiming for their third straight win for the first time since early July, instead fall to 61 and 88 on the year. Marlins are 30 and 44 here at Lone Depot Park. They're 31 and 44 on the road. A win tomorrow night, they have the exact same record at home as they do on the road. Marlins now 22 and 48 in their last 70 games beginning July 6th. So after the big offensive night last night, 10 runs, 14 hits, three homers. Tonight for the Marlins, one run on only nine hits in this game. They didn't have an extra base hit until the Cooper double leading off the ninth inning. Marlins one for eight with men in scoring position as they lose their major league leading 36th one-run game now 22 and 36 in one run contest. They've played the most. They've lost the most in all of baseball. The Marlins now 36 one run losses. That's the second most in club history. Their next one run loss would match a club record of 37 set back in the inaugural season, 1993, a long time ago. Marlins drop a nail biter here tonight, 2 1. The final score. It's a winning combination. Strikeouts and charity. Marlins are committed to fighting cancer in our community and are proud to partner once again this year with AutoNation in support of their Drive Pink initiative. With every strikeout recorded by Marlins pitcher in 2022, $25 is donated to charities supporting a cure. Tonight, 11 strikeouts by the Miami pitching staff. That's $275 for the season. We're up over 1,300 Ks, 1,305 that's $32,625 from the Marlins to Auto Nation's Drive Pink initiative. I think it's fair to say a disappointing loss for the Marlins last night. They fall 2-1. to one. They had opportunities. Uh, I think you got to look past Stephen Okert's rough eighth inning when he allowed just one run. The Marlins, prior to the eighth, had plenty of opportunities offensively, couldn't capitalize. So let's hear what the skipper Don Mattingly had to say afterwards. Donnie, another great start tonight for Pablo. Just what do you feel was the most important key to his success out on the mountain tonight? Oh, again, got after the zone. I think what we talk about, looked like he got in a little bit on the lefties too today. Um, really good all day. You know, for Pablo, I thought his stuff was good. He was sharp. You know, in counts, they were swinging early. He was throwing strikes and really he was in a good pitch count pretty much the whole night. This start, his start last week, do these two starts feel reminiscent of, of what Pablo looked like at the beginning of the season when he was on that really good run? Yeah, Pablo, I mean, if we take out the, the Mets games, mm-hmm. Pablo's been pretty good all year. Mm-hmm. You know, other than that, I mean, they just kind of had his number and it elevates his numbers and it, like, gives you a different, a little bit of a different feel. Um, he had a couple starts after the Houston when he got hit in the hand that he struggled to get his rhythm. He kind of lost his rhythm for a minute. A couple of starts, I say a minute, but a couple of starts. 
other than that, he's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. That eighth inning, uh, you know, hit by pitch, uh, a sack bunt, the runner gets on, a, a bunt single. Is that almost the most frustrating part of it? Is that it just was such an unconventional kind of bases loaded situation that ends up leading to the sack line to go ahead run? Yeah, obviously a lot of stuff happened there, but sometimes you forget about you have first and third, nobody out, and don't score early. You know, we had this their guy on the ropes a little bit. We were up a run, and we got a chance to go up multiple runs, put more pressure on them, take less put you know take less pressure on our offense. Um, but obviously the ace is a little funny. You know, got him in a good count, hitting him, you know hits him in the foot. Um, you know, Jake really makes the correct play. His ball just sails on him a little bit at second base. He's got him there. They put down a nice bunt. You know, and then we're in trouble. Get the run to go up early, good hit from Groshans, and then just like you said, you had the opportunities just not being able to capitalize on them after getting an early lead. Yeah, I think that's the that's the part that <clears throat> a lot of times we look at the game from that last what happened that changed the score. But we don't think about like what we were weren't able to accomplish earlier in the game when Pablo's throwing zeros for for six innings, right? You want to give them a little bit of relief and give our team, you know, find a way to score. And I know guys are trying to, but just like, you know, trying to get another run on the board, maybe, you know, tack one here, tack another one there, and then it's it's a different feel. Craig mentioned it earlier, but just you know, Pablo Thirty starts Sandy as well. I think the only team that was the Marlins that has two guys that have you know, been with the team all year to do that. Just what does that say, just whether for the rotation, for the organization? Well, you know, Sandy, obviously, a couple of years in a row, he's kind of been the model of, like, health and consistency, knock on wood, if we got any here. Um, and then, you know, uh, P- Pablo, this is, you know, I look at it kind of separately because, you know, Pablo's finally crossed that threshold, right? And he's been able to go a full season. He stayed strong. You see his stuff is is holding up, so that gives you hope. Um, not not hope, but it just lets you know that this guy can finish a season and still be throwing the ball good and actually getting almost better. <clears throat> so if you are in a playoff situation, you know, you got two guys that are still throwing the ball good late in the year, things like that. Was he tiring at all? Did you see him in that seventh? Or I think the seventh, his stuff went down, and that's really what we, we've seen after, uh, you know, you know, Mel sees it quick uh, on the bench. He said his stuff's going down. Um, you know, I wanted him to try to get through that inning. You know, he did pitch so well. You don't want a guy to, you know, give up a run and all of a sudden he's out of the game. And you hate taking a guy out of the game that's pitched that well. Um, and he gets the L and somebody else gives up the run. Uh, so that's something you don't like to do. We felt like it was the right thing there. Uh, felt like his stuff had went down, that he was at a, at a point. Uh, Braz had success with the same guy last night. We just felt like it was the right thing. Well, it could have been big if we're able to, you know, put something together the last couple innings. I think to get out of it with one, um, yeah, obviously you can't say it's huge when you don't you don't get the runs. If we come back and get two runs, then you would have said that's a huge him being able to stay under you know under control and have his keep his composure and get out of that. Uh, was big for us. But, I mean, in general, it's big just from the standpoint it gives us a chance, right? So, 
strategy-wise, I guess in the, in the ninth down one is the home team. Are you trying to win it? Obviously, you want to tie it, but just in terms of obviously, it's also based on personnel for like Andy, not necessarily bunting, but probably you know. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Basically, I'm trying to win a game there, not playing for the tie. Uh, and when you know you make the decision, you're going to hit Andy there. You know, for JJ, uh, I'm not sure JJ's been it all year. You know, we've had two guys now come up and. And I don't know if they've even butted into minor leagues, right at all. So, um, but we are in a situation of trying to win a game. Andy's, you know, a guy that obviously one of our better hitters. We're gonna try to get him over, get him in, you know, hit a double, and then try to win a game. Donnie, today the uh, Marlins hit 18 balls over 90 miles an hour on an exit velo. How do you look to grow on that after only scoring one run from it? Is it something that you focus on to grow on and improve on, or how do you kind of do that? Well, I think the one the there's probably good and bad of that. Um, you, you, hit a, you hit a bunch of balls hard. You hit a bunch of balls hard on the ground though too. You'd like those to be line drives or balls in the gap. At, at you know, and I'm not a launch angle fan, but we're not trying to hit ground balls at anybody. You're trying to hit balls those same pitches. You'd like to be able to hit them in a gap or hit them in a seam or in a corner. And I know our guys aren't trying to hit ground balls, but. So the good good thing is we're making good solid contact and hitting the ball, and, and I think it's a matter of you know you really would like to hit those balls, <laughs> but you, it's hard to guide. Many um, thought towards uh, pinch hitting for stallings in the ninth. No, um, I mean a thought, right? You always think about those things like that. A uh, couple of factors for me that goes into that. Jake's in the flow of the game, um, and. And our numbers are even are better for Jake than they are for anybody else we have. So, and yeah, he squared up a ball. We can't ask too much more. He hit a ball hard. The guy makes a play on a run close to the track. Uh, so, yeah. But I did. You know, you think about it. But felt you know, kind of those factors are kind of what goes into it. this guy's in the flow of the game, and, and our numbers say that he's better chance. All right, so that was Marlins manager Don Mattingly after the Marlins' 2-1 loss setback to the Cubs last night. Game three of this series, a rubber match, comes your way at 6.40 tonight when Jesus Lazardo goes opposite of the southpaw Drew Smiley. We'll hit the air at 6.10 with Marlins on deck. And as always, we hope you find some time to join us on the Marlins Radio Network, driven by AutoNation. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.